Wednesday, about a month ago, I took my family up to Rock City. We got a birdhouse over there. You know, when you buy a birdhouse, everyone says, hey, you're going to waste money. Nobody's going to use it. We got one like three years ago. It just faded. No birds moved in. However, just yesterday, this started to happen. Take a look at this. These birds have started to move into the penthouse. They're flying in all their nesting and everything. Look at that thing right there, too. That's a nice place for a bird. But there's a cool story behind this. There's a big pivot. The legacy advertising of Sea Rock City it used to be on a barn, right? So the, the, the owner of Sea Rock City back in the 1930s, he would go around and he'd write Sea Rock City on every barn that he could find between Michigan and Texas, trying to lead people here down to Chattanooga. In fact, it was so successful doing this that he decided, great, I'm going to make these as mailboxes for the U.S. Post Office. And they made a ton of them. The problem is it got rejected. The prototype was rejected. They had this big order. So what do they do? He did a big old pivot and he turned these things into birdhouses and now they're ubiquitous over here in the chattanooga area or if you visited um rock city so pretty cool if, you, if you're out here you like you come out to f3 down in november go and check it out anyways on today's episode i'm talking to super trucker justin martin about a driver who fell asleep in his truck on the train tracks a two hundred thousand dollar dime heist delivering to bristol in a nascar track and our inspections a good way to judge a carrier Bob Perry of Health and Transportation has spent nearly the past four decades on a mission to educate professional drivers and share life-changing products and services to help them live healthier lives while on the road. He shares tips on getting in shape this summer. I know we all could use it. There's one parking space for every 11 truck drivers in the United States. Big rig parkings. Benton Osborne is on a mission to fix that, though. We'll learn how he's getting drivers a safe place to shut down. Hopefully not sleeping on the train tracks. And does the future of hydrogen rely on Nikola's success in this market? That's a scary thought. Also, why have there been so many EV recalls? Freightwaves Alan Adler has the scoop on that. Let's tip the band and we'll get right into it. By the way, can we wind my clock down here? Thanks. Your customers and investors want to know that your company is serious about sustainability. Show them the depth of your commitment when you rely on AIT Worldwide Logistics for your freight forwarding needs. From Scope 3 carbon footprint reporting to calculating emissions at the transaction level, partnering with AIT sends a clear message to stakeholders. You mean business when it comes to sustainability. Learn more at AITWorldwide.com. Dot com. But right now, I need to talk to Alan Adler, my partner in crime at the Guardians game in uh, June with a great T-shirt on. What's up, buddy? How you doing, brother? Good to I'm, see uh, you. I'm excited. I'm excited to see you in person in what's, what, like two short months now? Something like that, yeah. Cleveland. Cleveland? You know, I started my career in Cleveland, brother. Did back you really? When, back when the, yeah, back when the Indians really were just like Major League. I mean, they were that bad. They were that bad, and they were kind of funny too. I remember people would slide in the tarps during uh, rainouts. You know, there'd only be five thousand people in beautiful stadium, hold sixty-one. Except when the Yankees came in, they would get better crowds. But uh, anyway, crazy place. Um, but you know, I think that's when I became an Indians fan, and of course now that's the Guardians. And you and I may go see them. Yeah, hey. I'm excited to go see. If you're out there, I know you can win tickets to that game. But like the night of. June 20th, I think it is, that Tuesday. There's a 6:20 game at the Guardians. Uh, I know myself and Alan will be there if you're going to attend um, Future of Supply Chain. 
go down to the stadium. It's the night before the event. Great, great time to see him out. And Alan, I'm getting like all the stadium tours. I'm going to Atlanta this Sunday to see uh, the Braves play the Astros. You know how many major league ballparks I've been to, Dooner? How many? 47. 47. Wow. Which means that obviously a lot of them aren't around anymore, but I still have two left uh, in the current parks. Uh, Globe Life in Texas and Yankee Stadium where it got rained out. That's a whole other story. But, Ooh. you know, the current Yankee Stadium. I went to the original Yankee Stadium too. But, yeah, it's a bucket list thing, I guess, you know. Well, you know, we, now we have the pitch clock in baseball, but there's also a pitch clock for, for nickel and hydrogen, it would seem. What is going on with this? And is, is the future of, is nickel like that important to hydrogen that the future rests with them? No. No, it's not. But but I think it's a good question to ask is what happens if they don't make it? And that and that question, I think, is becoming, you know, much clearer now. I mean, we've had detractors uh, say for what, since 2020, that the company is going out of business. I'm not sure that it is or isn't. I will tell you, though, that their finances are such that, uh, you know, it's really going to be pretty much up to shareholders unless there's some white night we don't know about Dooner. It's going to be up to shareholders in June to agree to, again, raise the number of authorized shares, dilute themselves to keep the company going. Um, because you basically, there's a hedge fund out there named Antara Capital that loaned Nikola $200 million last year. Obviously, it wants its money back. And, you know, hedge funds, you know, take risks because they charge their clients a lot of money to make big returns. So now you've got a situation where the same hedge fund bought about 64% of a public offering that Nikola did, raised another $100 million to, you know, obviously keep the lights on, keep production moving and that sort of thing uh, earlier this month. Uh, but that bill is going to come due, especially the interest on that bill. Nikola doesn't have the cash to pay it. It wants more shares so it can it can use shares to do it. Uh, I don't understand all the details of this, but it could get to the point where you would have so many shares going to Atera that it might create a change of control in the company, which is all, you know, heavy duty stuff. Right. Um, the whole question is, can Nikola make it? Right now, it appears that that vote uh, on June 7th, and Nicola said they'll try again and again if needed, but on June 7th, the shareholders will be asked to double to $1.6 billion, the number of outstanding shares. So that's what's happening. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm sure the retail investors aren't happy about that. But yeah, you know, I was looking through your article, and it seems like like their fuel cell seems very not ready for prime time in the sense that like if you get one of these trucks, since there's, they don't have the stations, you have to have them truck the fuel to you. At your, I mean, that's a tough sell unless this is a pilot program, right? Well, it's so it's going to be so early. There's going to be so few trucks, right? I don't yeah. know how many they're planning to build in the fourth quarter. I mean, we're in the very early days, and right now, I mean, they've they've committed. They've got four stations uh, signed, basically, in California. Two of those, interestingly enough, are with uh, Travel Centers of America, which is in the pr process of being purchased by BP. BP's former, you know, a, a former BP executive is. Uh, you know, the head of energy at Nikola at this point. So is BP that maybe white knight on the station side to help them get that moving faster? At one point before the Hindenburg Corps back in 2020, BP was in discussions uh, with Nikola about doing just that. They kind of got scared off just like General Motors did um, after all of Trevor's shenanigans and Trevor Milton's shenanigans. So, you know, but they're they're definitely tied in and know a whole lot about Nikola. And they've been investing in 
non-oil kinds of things BP has. You know, the, the TA purchase, they bought a company called Amply, which is a charging company and things like that. So, you know, I, I continue to see, you know, that there might be some kind of BP play out there. But but honestly, the problem with Nikola is it doesn't have a ton of intellectual property that somebody would want to buy and develop. It's an assembler of vehicles. And, you know, they've done a lot of work to to you know, plow the ground. This is where the hydrogen question comes in. They've plowed the ground and come up with a lot of partnerships, a lot of ways to get hydrogen both made and arguably delivered, mobile being one of them. Uh, you know, but what happens if that goes away? Does it really impact hydrogen? Um, you know, Mike Ramsey at Gartner thinks, yeah, it does. It's a setback because these guys are the only ones that are truly focusing on it. Others are dabbling. Um, you know, so so he does see a setback. Cummins, which is you know, building a ton of electrolyzers to make hydrogen says, eh, we'll get by with or without them, uh, you know, and that sort of thing. So, so that's an open debate, but it's definitely a question worth asking. Yeah. Interesting. Well, what, what is like, let's say, so you're not going to use hydrogen. You go and you get an EV, you go and you get an electric truck. What's going on with the recalls there? I know the big headline one was uh, last week or two Tesla, all the Tesla semis got pulled back in. There's been a, a few other, get me up to speed here. All, all 35 of them at the yeah. time, right? I yeah. mean, that's how many we're talking about. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Noah Mahoney wrote that story. And, and interestingly enough, you know, in the in the recall, which actually ties back to Bendix uh, commercial vehicle systems, uh, it was a bad part that they had. And uh, it affected four truck makers, three of which said who they were. Tesla said, we're a confidential company, so we're not going to use our name. They obviously got found out anyway. Um, but yeah, so so that particular issue with Bendix did affect Nikola. It's causing them to bring back, a, you know, I think more than 300 of their trucks. Um, again, this doesn't necessarily impinge on Nikola. We were talking on uh, Freight Waves Now yesterday about this. And there, there, there's really, you, you know, ultimately Bendix is going to pay the cost of the recall. Uh, Nikola dealers will get reimbursed for making the fix. Uh, the, the few trucks that are actually in circulation right now, uh, yeah, there's a bit of an inconvenience there because you've got to bring them in to get them fixed. But uh, but but by and large, it doesn't really impact Nikola all that much. Um, Volvo's situation a little bit different. Um, they were uh, they had these trucks had adaptive cruise control on them, and it, they they didn't do the system to switch it over to an electric truck, and so that's created a. a, a you know, a skidding problem, uh, you know, where the, the ABS and the analog brakes don't know what to do with themselves. So so that's something that, you know, Volvo is going to have to fix. Those two came up the same week. Here's what I think this says, Duner, more than it being any kind of epidemic or anything like that. It says that electric trucks are real because if 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 they're real, they get recalled. That's what happens to legacy trucks all the time. Yeah, but like, uh, the problem is that like electric trucks kind of have to prove themselves, right? They have to prove themselves to the market and unreliability with equipment. I know, I know it's a small sample size and I know that anyone that's realistically buying right now understands that like you should not be basing your primary fleet or your dedicated lanes or anything like that on electric trucks. Although there was a company called EV Semicorp. I don't know if they're still around, but they were going to buy a bunch of Nikolas and try and like have an EV load board. I don't know how that's working out for them. I, I, it seems like that would be a tough thing to launch right now. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, we're, you know, they're integrating uh, electric trucks along with the with the rest of the trucks. But, you know, you do have some step up. I mean, you know, California put a whole ton of money into buying trucks or basically buying trucks for NFI and for Schneider and, you know, like 50 trucks each. That's a lot at, at this stage. And they're starting to deliver those. Uh, you know, interestingly enough, Frito-Lay, which 
is part of PepsiCo, uh, you know, was was touting the idea that Snyder was hauling, was the first third party to haul loads for them. And I think it was Texas. And of course, all the attention has been on the on the Tesla semis working out of PepsiCo in Modesto, California. So, I, you know, you're starting to see it. It's it's coming up a little bit. It's going to be a long time before we get to, you know, a critical mass, but it's happening and it's happening pretty quickly at this point. Again, we're going to get back into that whole chicken and egg infrastructure question about charging. But I think that, you know, the trucks, um, there's no reason to believe they're not reliable. I think the people that drive them love them because, you know, it's just so much easier. And you've driven them, I believe, Tudor. I think you drove the Hylion truck, if sure. I'm not mistaken. Sure. Nicola. And, and, and yeah. And, and so, you know, I mean, these things are a dream to drive compared to, you know, working your way through the through the uh, shifting of a diesel and the noise and the smell and the rest of it, right? Yeah, but the Nikola doesn't have a pull chain. That's why. That's why I sold all my shares. Yeah, you now. talked about that. I, you, you need to get over that. But that's something well, for me to tell you. I think I probably <laughs> made the right decision on those shares. But Alan, what, what, this is not financial advice, by the way. Uh, but Alan, yes. what is up with uh, what's up with Truck Tech? Tell people what goes on there and what they're going to learn this week. Okay, so this afternoon, I'm pretty excited about this one we've been talking about on most of our platforms. Uh, Chris Ormson, who is uh, truly an OG in the autonomous space, he was part of the whole uh, DARPA challenges back in the uh, early and mid-2000s uh, at Carnegie Mellon. Uh, he was at uh, the uh, the Google self-driving car program, which became Waymo. He co-founded Aurora Technology, uh, excuse me, Aurora Innovation. Aurora Technologies is its a trade name, basically. But Aurora, he co-founded that and is CEO of, of, of that. I've yet to interview him personally. So I'm excited he's our guest today. We're even going to forego the headlines portion of the show so that we can spend all of our time with Chris. He, uh, he's he got quite a bit of perspective to offer um, both on his own company as well as, I think, the autonomous space in general. So in a nice get for us, I'm really happy to have him. And, and uh, so we hope people will tune in at 4 Eastern today for that. It will be on podcast uh, Apple and Spotify and so forth afterwards too, and available at tv.freightwaves.com. So that's exciting. Still trying to noodle what's going to be in the newsletter on Friday this week. Um, it's between two things. We got a hearing this afternoon coming up in California about banning autonomous trucks. Uh, no action will come out of that, but it might be something we're going to listen in and see what's happening with that. Yeah, you know, I've heard that they're in, in recently, I've heard they're starting to get in danger in California. That would be a pretty interesting one to cover or that forced having to have that safety driver in the truck, no matter what, which is kind of a death knell for, for AV over in California, but we'll see. I look forward to getting the newsletter. Look up Alan Adler, just the easiest way, just Google Alan Adler freight waves. His whole page comes up. That's the best way to find this man. Thank you so much for coming on. The oh, wait, I got one question for you. My stupid question of the day. Hold on a second. Which yeah. banana I'm are you taking? We got to show the banana here. What's the logistics industry's favorite ripeness of banana? Okay, I got number five is mine. Four, four might still have a little green at the top, even though it doesn't look like it. But five looks just about perfect to me. Oh wow, you like a like kind of like a medium well uh, in terms of yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want it to be mushy. Mushy is no good. You get over to six, and of course, seven you should just you know make a banana bread out of. But but you know, six is probably a little too far gone. I'd be okay with four if if I had to make the if it was between four and five, I'd take five and then four right after it. I'm a four guy. I, I think four is just about perfect. I also, I open these, I pinch the, I don't do it from the stem. People do it wrong. I do it monkey style. I pinch the, uh, the, the short part, the bottom part. You just pinch that. The peel comes yeah. right off. You don't get all those strands on there. I'm going to tell you. One so Garrett Cole, who's the pitcher for the New York Yankees the other night, he pitches a complete game, right? Uh, yeah. Only the second one in baseball this year. It comes out after the eighth inning and he gets a banana. And so people are thinking, you know, he's done for the night, right? Breaks the banana in half and decides, see, it came out in the ninth, retired the side, complete game. 
did he eat? Did he just broke the or did he eat the banana too? I, I think he ate it too. But the point is, he didn't do what you did. He yeah. wasn't dainty about it. He no, I just, it. All right. Well, I eat a banana yeah. before every show. That's like one of my traditions on here. I think thirty-two ounces of water in one banana. That's awesome. Well, you got a good show, so keep the routine. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, Alan, take care. I'll catch you soon. All right. See you, man. Take it easy, everybody. All right. Speaking of food, meanwhile. Oh. Oh. All right, check this out. This is a, a Delaware County pizza driver. He's serving both pizza and justice, according to CBS. What's going on here is there's a high-speed chase on there. He gets to the house. He's going to bring the pizza up. There's a high-speed chase. Cops are running everywhere. This guy, he's he forgot about the, the delivery. He's worried about his, you know, his car right here. That's his livelihood. Well, check him out. He stays super cool. And he goes from the Cobra Kai school at John Crease, and he sweeps the leg on the perpetrator as he's coming by. And even better... He did not drop the pizza. He did not drop the sub. Apparently, this was Coco's Pizza. The guy's name is Tyler Morell. He's a former lacrosse player. That's where he learned how to kick some ass. And he said, you better not hit my car. <laughs> Don't touch the man's car. Uh, the person who ordered Steinmatz, they said it was a large uh, half plain, half pepperoni. He said everything was intact. None of the pepperoni from the cheese side even slid over, even though he tripped that MFer as he was trying to run away. So here's a little cowbell for you, Tyler. Great job out there. Parking your ass. Speaking of parking people's asses, it's Benton Hotsport with Tron. Hey, what's up, man? How are you today? What's going on? What's going on? Have you ever uh, encountered a situation like that where someone had stolen a car and you had to jump in and administer justice? Not at all. Not, nowhere, nowhere near that. My life's not as exciting as that uh, pizza delivery guy, but uh, kudos on him on uh, taking out the culprit as well as keeping the pizza intact. I mean, that's... Double whammy right there. Cops are happy. Customers happy. Everybody's happy. Well, you are the principal at Osborne Properties, and you're working on big rig parking. Tell us about yep. that. Yeah, so I know you've got uh, – everybody knows the parking issue in the United States. Yeah. You've had some people one, on here One spot about, for every 11 drivers. Correct, correct. Uh, the time wasted for drivers, looking for parking, wasted gas, wasted time, and wasted income. Um, you know, so we noticed this uh, – we have a, a good team with uh, partners that are from the trucking industry, some from the flatbed, another partner is a third generation trucker. But uh, a lot of people that I've seen on your show, but they're doing a great job, but they're focusing on the reservation side of it. We are actually building lots uh, to accommodate truckers. Uh, and so we are very strategic on where we build our lots. We actually have two open outside of Nashville, one uh, to the south in Christiana, Tennessee, uh, just south of Murfreesboro on 24 and one off I-840, which is kind of our our loop on the south side of Nashville um, that uh, is off Couchville Pike in Mount Julie, Tennessee. Uh, we have six others in the works at, in five different states, um, but we actually build the parking lots. So uh, we are strategically placed uh, close to truck stops and right off the interstate. So a trucker doesn't waste any time looking for parking. Uh, they can go to our website, BigRigParkingSpaces.com to reserve ahead of time. Ben, pull it to let, the me, gate. let me ask you, before we get any further into the weeds here, how is it different? You mentioned other ones have mentioned they're focusing on reservations. So what is the driver experience when using Big Rig Parking? How do I, how do I sign up? How do I you know, get a spot to park in? Um, does it cost money? How is that? How do, what are the logistics? Yeah, so uh, like I said, you can go to our website, BigRigParkingSpaces.com to reserve ahead of time. Um, we're in talks with Secure Space as well. It's another reservation group. Uh, or you can just pull up to our gate. Uh, there's a QR code you can scan to get in. Um, 
and then you can get in our lot. Uh, we have a both a nightly and a monthly parking rate. So Christiana is at uh, 25 a night, 250 a month, and Couchful's at 28 a night and uh, 300 a month. Um, so you can get in either way like that or you can reserve ahead of time. So, hey, if, if you know you're going to be in Nashville, uh, and like I said, we, we will have more in five other states by the end of this year. If you know you're going to be in one of those areas, uh, you can reserve ahead of time. Uh, as one of the one of the members here likes to say, it's kind of cheesy, but we won't be the Chick-fil-A of truck parking. Oh, interesting. Uh, so you closed on what Sunday? they mean by that. Do what? You're closed on Sunday? Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> no, we're open 24-7. Okay. Uh, we want to deliver a high-quality product. So our lots are fully fenced, lit. I got more cameras than I can count uh, and security. Uh, and in speaking of security, we've actually had a lot of uh, female drivers reach out to us. They feel a lot safer in our lots. Uh, and so, like I said, we're adjacent to Loves at both of our locations that are currently open, and a majority of ones we're looking at or are, are working on are adjacent to Loves. So all now, the amenities asked, are there. Well, you mentioned where they are. How are you targeting locations? Like you mentioned you have the ones in Nashville and you're looking at five others. How are you picking where to put parking? Uh, some of the members here that are in the trucking industry kind of know the pain point areas. Uh, some of the interstates that are high volume traffic, uh, one of them is about eight hours away from the New York ports. Uh, so that kind of gives us a good idea of, hey, they're coming out of the uh, uh, the ports, going to run out of hours. This would be a good location for it. And, and a lot of the, the towns we talk with are like, oh, yeah, we see truckers everywhere. Uh, we w- and we want to provide a safe, sincere place for these truckers. So you mentioned safe and secure. You mentioned women feel secure. What kind of uh, amenities are at one of your lots? Well, uh, that's the strategic location on being next to a truck stop. Um, and so uh, they can walk over to the Loves, drive in uh, to Loves or and or Pilot and or TA that we're looking at uh, and use those next door. Uh, our lots are, they're not technically paved. Uh, it's like a fancy version of tar and chip called DBST. Uh, so we have a high-end uh, finish, not just gravel. We don't like potholes, uh, very well lined out, dolly pads, uh, secure gate systems and all that fun stuff. Very cool. Uh, any plans for, uh, you know, I was just talking to Alan about EV, so it just got me randomly thinking about this as I'm thinking about truck parking, but that is where you'd have to charge one of these things because they take hours. Any plans to uh, expand and, and put chargers or anything? Has anyone ever approached you about that? We have uh, actually in all of our lots that we have open and are working on, we have conduit uh, piping for uh, charging stations. We haven't put them in yet because there's not a need. Uh, yeah. But we are prepped whenever that does happen. We will have those in our lots. Did they tell you, because like, I've, I've been curious, how would those look? Because, you know, when you when you have a car, you don't have to worry about a trailer behind you. So you just like back into the spot and you can charge but with a big rig. You're talking about a, you know, you got 53. Oh, yeah. of tra- no one's going to unhook to go charge. No, um, we're we're in the early stages of, of talking with the groups that, that are going to have the charging stations stations. Excuse me. Uh, so uh, working on that. But we're, we're putting stuff in place to have them. when it's needed it'll be there cool well i got a question for you it's our stupid question of the day asking the freight industry which banana oh. are you choosing here I, I, i'm with your previous guest i'm at five uh at had five. One five minutes before i got on the show as well so uh four's fine five's good six is i'll still eat it seven and throwing it in a in a the bread yeah in the bread and or my christian thomas one of our production guys he just shared a uh Banana ice cream recipes apparently can make really good banana ice cream. Ooh, uh, I'd, I'd give that a shot. <laughs> Perfect food. Go over, go over to, uh, what is it, bigrigparking.com? 
BigRigParkingSpaces.com. BigRigParkingSpaces.com. Get yourself a space and you can walk right over to Love's and get as many bananas as you like as you <laughs> sit securely in your truck. Exactly. Hey, thanks so much for coming on today. I appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Take it easy. All right, everybody. It's time to rate a little strap work. What do we got today? All right, what we're seeing here is, uh, what is it, like a Yugo or a Puget? Peugeot? Got either a Yugo or a Peugeot truck on top of the other truck. Casey Sawyer says, is that a Yugo? Amy Wells says, how? Carlos Aspinia says, beautiful angle there. There is minimal damage at a low cost. The official rate is 5.5. James James Pulpiter says, first, how do they get that car up like that before strapping it? Second, optimistic view. If the... if they flip over, they'll still be able to go. That is actually uh, that is actually a really good point. Simon Hartman says, we don't mind the straps. What about the roof structure? Good point there. Riske Utamo says, wondering how they managed to get that into position. And Doug Hatcher says, two of five. How does the driver get in? Window is a poor option. I got to agree with him there. That is a That is a really poor option. All right, everybody. Well, it's time to tip the band again. Do you know that AIT Worldwide Logistics plans to reach net zero emissions by 2035? That's five years before the date targeted by the Climate Pledge in 15 years in advance of the Paris Agreement's goal. But that's just one of their overall commitments to corporate social responsibility. Whether it's protecting the planet, nurturing the communities where we live and work, or ensuring high-quality business continuity, AIT is taking action today to deliver a better tomorrow. Learn more at AITWorldwide.com. But now... You're going to learn how to get in shape and be healthy from Bob Perry. Bob, what's going on? You look great, brother. Hey, my friend. Good to see you. Thank you so much. Appreciate what you. Part of, you. Uh, what part of the world are you coming into us from? Where are you sitting today? St. George, Utah. Ooh, St. George, Utah. Interesting. You know, I was looking through some of your pictures and stuff, and you're like, you know, you're like the Jack LaLanne. You're like full of health. You're always doing, you were doing like 10 million push-ups on LinkedIn. I was going through your energy, just like push-up. And there's so many diverse different locations. You're even like between trucks and mats. But before we get there, right. why this, where, where do you come from? Why this interest in, in health? Uh, well, I grew up in a family of professional drivers. Um, I got two brothers still out there today running them down the highway. Um, I drove years ago, long enough to realize it was my career. And so I've been in the health field ever since, and then always migrated to the drivers because, you know, we, we lose almost 300,000 drivers a year because they can't pass their physical. And, you know, they're skilled, and we just don't do enough to take care of them. You know, so one of the initiatives that with, with all the push-ups, I've been supporting, of course, the Veterans Suicide Prevention uh, awareness program, right? 22 veterans commit suicide a day. And I, I do that to help bring awareness and at the same time, hopefully motivate drivers to get involved. And uh, and I have some new technology that just was released that's really gained a lot of traction for drivers to be able to manage their health by using their cell phone camera. Well, I got to ask you then. So what is the key to driver physical health? What do you educate people on? How should they be thinking about this? It really, thank you for asking that. It, the first thing I advise them is, you know, it's in their brain that they have to do a pre-trip check, right, every time before they pull on the road. So I get them to do a pre-trip refrigerator check because in the life of a professional driver, you're going to get stuck, weather, you know, construction, whatever. If you don't have a good choice to reach for, you make a bad one. So I always train them to make sure they have some healthy, nutritious snacks available and that's really the first step 
and then incorporate any type of movement that they can do. But really, it's about what you put in your mouth. I hear that too. And, and you know, I've, I've said this every time the fitness people come on, the only time I ever manage to lose weight is when I use a calorie tracker and can do the Seco because it's tough to eyeball it. You forget that you had like a handful of Skittles each time you walk past the, the candy bowl. And that's like, that'd be like 800 calories that you're not even thinking about. Oh, yeah. Aside, aside from making those really good food choices, right? Like what, what kind of exercise do you do? I know that you're a huge advocate of doing pushups, which are, are they can be hard, but they're great because you don't have to bring anything with you on the road. Right. Well, I recommend, and it's so easy to, to get them, you know, you go to your local um, sporting goods store and get a set of bands. You know, the, it doesn't, they're very inexpensive, and you'd be surprised the type of workout you can get by utilizing those, those bands um, when you're on the road inside your truck or outside your truck. Um, and they're, you know, they're easy on the joints, and it's about moving. So when you combine you know, what you're putting in your mouth and watching your caloric intake and getting the right kind of fuel, just like in your truck, and some type of movement, you're going to get some results. And it doesn't take much to move the needle so that you can be able to get your heart rate down, get your blood pressure under control. At the end of the day, it's all about being able to pass your CDL recertification and protecting your livelihood. And what about for people who struggle with the push-ups, how do you even get those started? Cause you know, there's some guys, they may not have done push-ups in a while. They're getting 250, three bills. They might not have the strength to push up that body weight. And it's embarrassing if you got to make modifications, right? But you, otherwise you're going to break your wrists. What is your advice to the guys right. kind of just getting started? And they're kind of embarrassed. Well, don't be, I mean, do push-ups off the, the side of your truck, off your fender, um, you know, do them on an incline, you know, put them, put your hands on your steps and it's just about starting like everything else, right? It's moderation. You do one, two, three, four, five to build up the strength. If you have to use your knees uh, to do it, it's, it's about making small adjustments to, to depend on what fits for you. And, but you can really burn some calories. The thing I always recommend to them is take a lap around your truck, do a few push-ups or push-offs inside your truck, do another lap. And, you know, do that in 10 laps and you may get, you know, 30, 40 push-ups in and you get some circulation going, you burn some calories and uh, you're on your way to a routine. And before you know it, you know, you're, you're cranking out 40, 50 of them and getting your 20 minute walk in. Beautiful. I love the walking. It's such a simple thing. It's another one of those things. It's like, get your 20, 30 minutes of walking. Keep tra- like, just start with those two things. Get your walking in. Uh, walk around 20 minutes in that in that truck stop and make good decisions when you're grabbing that food. Like just t- don't eat 3000 calories, you know, stay, sh- start tracking it, make, make yep. sure you maybe get some uh, bananas. But you also mentioned veteran mental health, but mental health also really important for drivers. You drive in a frust- frustrating career and isolation is career in a lot of ways. What is your advice on mental health for, for drivers? Absolutely. And, and thanks for bringing that up as well, because there's just a lot of things going through their mind, right? You got all that time in the truck and, you know, there's the, the things that I've found over the years working with drivers, the three things, number one, that really wind their watch is they get into a disagreement with their dispatcher or, or manager. They get a distress call from home. You know, Johnny got kicked out of school, the basement's flooded or whatever, or a four-wheeler cuts him off. And you have to be able to manage and exercise your mental health as well as your physical health. Because if you don't, then you end up making some really bad decisions quickly. And so 
you know, there's a lot of resources out there now that you can reach out to and talk to people privately and, um, you know, to help mitigate before you make a bad decision. And most companies have EAP programs, which are employee assistant programs that you can talk to people privately. If you're an owner-operator, there's a lot of ancillary programs you can call up. It's free. And just make the phone call and talk to somebody before you make a bad decision. You made a great point about something happening at home. Like those of us who aren't over the road, you can just be at work. And if you get a text from your wife or, or your family that something had happened, that can be all consuming, right? That can be all consuming the rest of your day. You get home and you can deal with it. But you got drivers who may be out on a run. They may be out for weeks letting those things get out. How do you, how do you compartmentalize stuff when you're out on the road? Exactly. And so, and that happens. And I know from being a young guy growing up and our dad, before they had the cell phones, they had the CB radio, which is a whole nother subject. You know, professional drivers really started social media with the CB radio, right? It wasn't Facebook. Um, and, but that's the only way they had to communicate. And somebody got hurt at school or whatever the issue is. And I can remember bitterly that, that my, my mother talking with my dad and, and, and breaking the news to him you know, easily and then tell him, don't worry, we've got it under control. And that's what the family support comes in. And that's what you have to have when you're a professional driver. Uh, your, your, your mate at home has to be able to be a support mechanism for you. And that you, you can't, you, the driver cannot be the sounding board, right? You're, you're they're letting you in on what's going on, but the, the mate at home has to be the support to let that driver know everything's okay. You can you can handle it when you get home, but they they, they just can't make it a, a you know a, a drama at the time unless it is something real serious. They need to stop and get home. Yeah, you have to worry about what you can control at the time that you can control it. Can you leave us with something? Exactly. What are it's summertime coming up, springtime's coming up. We all got to wear lighter clothes, you know, and you don't want to walk across the uh, Love's parking lot showing your belly to everybody and your Crocs as you head to the shower. What can you leave us with to just get started on that journey? Started today. Read the labels, my friend. Act, you know, read before you act. I, I tell drivers all the time, give me 50%. That means make 50% good choices. That's all it is. And if you're drinking six Cokes a day, make it three, you know, and just make, you know, simple little changes equal big results. And step number two doesn't happen without step number one. And that's making a decision. Get your head wrapped around it. Get rid of the stinking thinking, you know, uh, check up from the head up and uh, make a decision to, that you're going to make it a good day today. Bananas, Mother Nature's perfect food, the perfect travel food comes in its own wrapper. Which one would you take out of this ripeness scale? I would take uh, number five there right in the middle and I would put some peanut butter or almond butter on it so I, I can help you know, protein on it. So I don't, the sugar doesn't spike. That is that, that a great snack to get at loves, get your, get yourself a jar of peanut butter, grab up some bananas, keep next to you in the truck. It's my go-to when I go to love whatever it, you know, I grab the banana, make sure I got peanut butter with me and stick it in there. And it's my go-to snack and I get the protein and I get the fruit and it fills me up. I'm good to go. Well, Hey Bob, it was so nice to meet you today. People who want to go to your website, where would I send them to? Send them to healthintransportation.com or they can go to cdlhealthscanner.com. Thanks, Bob. Keep doing the Lord's work. Get some drivers healthy, both physically and up here as well. You got it, my friend. Thanks so much. Take care.
Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, do, you, do you guys like the drive? Should we do, do more driver health? Your desk, a lot of this stuff applies to you desk workers, too. I know a lot of you people aren't even in trucks who listen to the show. You're like, hey, so I, I'm one of them right here. I'm like, I can't. I See, I have, like, my fitness pal. And my problem is, a lot. like, I just won't open it if I'm already screwing up. I'm like, ah, ah, too deep in the sour pad. Never mind. Today's a cheat day. The problem is you let those, like, cheat days, like, cascade to the next day. You got you to gotta stay on top of that. It sneaks up quick. All right. Let's talk to Justin Martin, super trucker. Yeah. How you doing today, buddy? Good. Yeah, those cheat days, uh, they really stack up. I, I put on more weight just working from home than I ever did uh, being behind the wheel because you're more active behind the wheel. You know, you're helping unload the trucks. You're getting in and out of the cab and stuff. And now it's like I just sit in my office chair all day. Yeah, <laughs> so like to go get snacks, desk. you got to go like stock up and everything. Like here, you're in your office chair and it's like the, the cupboard's yeah. right there. And the worst thing oh, is yeah. like just eating out of like boredom. Your mind tricks you. It's like, no, you and it's mm-hmm. like if I if I was lost in the woods right now, and I ate breakfast like four. Would I really be starving to death? Not at all. No, I no. would not. <laughs> no, no. It, it's um, it, I'm a big fan of uh, Jocko Willink's uh, principle: discipline equals freedom. So it's like if, if once 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 you get on that track, um, it, motivation doesn't matter. Discipline is like everything. A lot of, what do you see in the, when you were driving? What were you seeing those drivers by? Like, there's got to be some bad habits on those big guys. Oh, you yeah. Know, just, I mean, I was, I was one of those drivers. You just buy whatever you can from the cold case at the truck stop, put it in the microwave for a minute and a half, and that's that's your meal for the next uh, couple hours. Well, people, you know, he made a great point about the labels too, because they'll be like those juices, right? And they look healthy mm-hmm. at the gas station, but you know, from your kids' juice, it's like 350 oh, yeah, calories, almost all sugar for one of those yeah. juices. Think of that like a milkshake. I wish my son would drink some of those. He, he's strict. All he drinks is water or milk. He's never been a juice kid. Yeah, but it's not great. It's got it's got too much sugar in no, it, man. Yeah. Give him yeah, an apple no, so it, When he's eating better now because he's going through all these growth spurts. But early on, like he, it was just, it was a struggle trying to get him to eat anything. So uh, what was going on up in your neck of the woods? According to C- <laughs> CNN, show this picture right here. There's this big dime heist that happened. Police are on the hunt oh, yeah. for the people behind what they call a dime and dash theft in, I love that term, good good on you, CNN article writer, <laughs> theft in Northeast Philadelphia. It happened at 6 a.m. last Thursday. Thieves broke into an unmarked trailer. It was left in a Walmart parking lot for some reason, uh, and they made off with about 2 million dimes. It was in total at 750,000 dimes, but that must have been too much for these thieves to carry that's that's a lot of dimes yeah it's like 10 times total and the number keep going up like when they first reported it was a hundred thousand dollars worth of dimes now it's up to two hundred thousand and you can see they were just using trash cans they just cut the bags open and were stuffing these uh, trash cans with as many dimes as they could um no this was perfect case of like what not to do with any kind of load not just money um he went from the u.s mint in center city philadelphia north to a walmart where he lived because he was tired, parked the truck in the Walmart parking lot overnight, and then came back to the truck and it was ransacked. Like it just no, you in training, you're taught like from the beginning, like do not stop for the first hundred, two hundred miles, um, even for just freight of all kind, not not just money. Um, yeah, whatever contracts or you know business deals this guy had, he he deserves to lose everything he had. This, this was just you know, basic basic stuff that he failed on every single level. That, yeah, it's a pretty egregious oversight, as you're saying. Now, yeah. it begs the question here then, inside job or just lazy driver who wanted to be near his home for his pickup in the morning? What do you, what do you think the case is here? I, I doubt very much, you know, inside job. First of all, it's dimes. So yeah. if it's, it's an inside job, you're going. Want that dime heist? 
<laughs> you want something that's got a little more value to it. Um, because again, like he's now he's gonna lose everything for nothing, for absolutely nothing. Um, he was supposed to be heading towards Florida, so he should have been heading southbound, not northbound. Um, no, it just sounds like he probably did this in the past and got away with it, but this time he got caught. That was what do you, how do you launder uh, all those dimes? How do you launder two million? That's a lot of dimes. <laughs> So Coinstar is pretty ubiquitous out here. You know, you, yeah. you can um, you, you can put it through the machines and if you get like an Amazon gift card instead of like cash, you know, you don't you don't lose a, any kind of penalties and stuff. So I, th- I think police are looking for like uh, a spike in Coinstar dimes lately. How many like five gallon water bottles would two million dimes fill? Oh, I don't know. It's the so if you ever go on a tour of the mint, which I really recommend you do. It's a lot of fun. They have these gigantic sacks inside the hallway. Uh, for the tour and you're allowed to try and push one to see how heavy it is and you cannot move it at all i, th- I think it was quarters that are inside those so dimes are even smaller and they can fit in even even uh, larger bags so yeah it sounds like i mean you can see the photos they just had dimes sp- splashed everywhere it, it would have taken a lot of trips but the guy was parked overnight so they had plenty of time well I, that's the only reason like the, i'm like is it an inside because they they were planning on and they they did get two million dimes they didn't just open it like yeah. ah this is just too many dimes they actually they did were, go through it taking as much as they could fit in whatever they had they were motivated yeah they were pretty motivated they were mo- well so here's agreed there's a lot of egregious actions that can happen when you're driving a truck one of them is take going to the u.s mint and then parking at walmart overnight another one is going to a delivery location and then going in your sleeper and falling asleep well, you're on the train tracks. This happened to show this picture here. This happened over in Knoxville, Tennessee. A semi truck was hit by a train near Harriman after parking on the track Saturday morning. The crash happened at 7.15 a.m. at the railroad crossing near the 1600 block. Um, the report says the driver of the truck, Jagat Singh, he's 41 of Pennsylvania, another Pennsylvania, was in the sleeper cab at the time when the truck crash happened. Now, that sounds crazy. Here's just a little more insight into this. Apparently, he had arrived there in the night, right? And the gate was close to his location. And I don't have a picture of it, but I did see a picture online. The the road has kind of like an access road. And it looks like you could have driven up to that gate, cleared the tracks, and thought everything was fine. Apparently, he had to let some cars out, so we backed up. I don't know if he forgot that the train tracks were there, but either way... He backs up, lets the cars out, goes into his sleeper, falls asleep, and then gets one hell of an alarm at 7.15 in the morning. Yeah, this guy might have been driving all night and was super tired. Um, You know, when you get interrupted while you're sleeping, you're not thinking straight. But again, you're on tracks, man. I I don't understand how that happened. He was asked to move and then moved his truck back to where it was and then got hit. What is like the because again, this is obviously people not following procedure, but is there a procedure that once you stopped and if it's moved again before you go to sleep, you have to get out of the vehicle and inspect your area or not? No, when your ELD really won't kick in driving unless you're going, you know, over I think like ten or fifteen miles per hour. So if all you're doing is backing up a couple of feet, you know, it's it's not going to trip the. Uh, it's not gonna it's not gonna kick you out of like your off-duty status oh no no i mean like regular but, but, but you as a driver when oh. you park are you supposed to get out of the truck before you go to sleep and make sure you're you're safe yeah when you when you park for the night you're supposed to do your post-trip inspection you do a pre-trip and a post-trip so he's gonna get written up for that right there at, at minimum uh, is uh, so in terms of this is this as egregious as parking at a mint overnight or could this just be like First time the person's ever done this, could it just be that given the circumstances, he might have been exhausted? Like, he did get waking up at 7.15 in the morning. I mean, I realize you shouldn't do it, or do you throw the book at him? No, no, you got to use guys like this as an example. Yeah. Um, Again, it was probably one of those things where he's done this before and just happened to get away with it. 
You know, even if you are tired, you, you still got to get out, check your surroundings and see what's going on. Yeah, I got to agree with you. What if your surroundings are a bunch of popcorn on the ground and your little boy <laughs> had put it there and you're a Blue Jays pitcher? Take a look at this tweet right here from Anthony Bass. He made a bass hole of himself on Twitter <laughs> by saying the flight attendant at United just made my 22 week pregnant wife. Tr- can he use months here? Why is he going 22 weeks? I don't know. Pregnant wife traveling with a five-year-old and a two-year-old got on her hands and knees to pick up the popcorn mess by my youngest daughter. Are you kidding me? What are your thoughts on this one, Justin? You know, so I'm actually flying to Florida uh, tomorrow and I I saw this tweet and I thought, okay, if my son makes a mess, you know, we're we're obviously going to clean it up. But like, did they ask him to do this during the flight or after they landed? I, I don't know. Um, I think they asked his wife to. They asked his wife to do it somehow. Like she must have stood up and sent this picture to him, and then he decided to go on social media for some reason. As a Blue Jays pitcher that makes five million dollars a year and has a seven point three six ERA, thought this was a good idea to criticize someone else's work. He can't even clean up batters. Oh yeah, yeah. The ratio too is glorious. It's like sixty thousand replies or something up to now. It's insane. It's like one of the hardest. I get being like, maybe you're like a little annoyed. I know you can get overwhelmed, but here's the also thing. Like, dude, you're complaining that your wife's flying alone. All right. How about you, Mr. $5 million, go hire a nanny to go fly with your wife if it's overwhelming. I've flown with the kids alone. My wife has. I understand how challenging it could be. I wish I had the final financial means to bring someone with me. Yeah, no. And to go on social media and complain about it, you're just opening yourself up for getting blasted. I like this guy. I like this trucker, Joe Seppi. Show him right here. He said, hey, show Joe Seppi. He said, hey, United, someone's kid (laughs) spilled popcorn in my truck. Can you please fire your entire flight crew for me? Thanks. Because here's the one thing we didn't mention. So Anthony Basil, after he did that first tweet, not only did he not realize he was getting ratioed, but he doubled down and showed Mm -hmm. like, and he's like, hey, they provided the popcorn to me. Then he tripled down and bragged that United told him they were going to deal with that uh, stewardess or that flight attendant internally. So like, he's trying to get this person fired, man. Yeah, no, it, you gotta love people standing up for the, for that flight attendant too. I, I think enough of them, there's been enough videos of, of them dealing with like a typical flight, typical passenger lately that everyone's had enough. Yeah. I mean, like granted, I think in general, most flight attendants probably wouldn't say anything to someone. It can be kind of annoying if they, uh, they nail you, but look, it's your kids at the end of the day. Like, you're just not going to win that argument. Yeah, no, you got to clean up after your kids. Speaking of baseball, new tradition happening. Two years ago, you couldn't even go out to a baseball game, Justin. They wouldn't even let you, or you had to wear a mask, or you had to stay 600 feet away from everybody because, oh, my God, you're going to die. Oh, yeah? Look how resilient people in Boston are. Take a look at this new tradition that's going on. Now people are drinking beer as a funnel out of their own sneakers. <laughs> that is foul. It is absolutely foul. It's called a shoey, apparently, according to uh, according to the guys in the back. They do them all the time. Um, they used to be big butt chuggers, but have switched to the new uh, shoey. <laughs> I the, the few games I've attended in Philly. If here's what would happen: if somebody did this, everybody in the crowd would say, "Gross, that's disgusting. How dare you!" But then, as soon as these videos get online and people outside the city start, you know, criticizing them. The next game, everybody in the stands taking his shoes off and chugging beers. Chugging beers. Have you yeah. tried this? What is the grossest thing you've ever drank? No. I mean, a glass. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not drinking anything out of my shoes. I don't care what it is. 
When I was kind of poor and drunk in Hollywood, probably the grossest thing that we would do, and I, I learned this from these, these British girls, there's this band, Miranda Sex Garden, that was visiting, and they were, they were, I, I don't know if this is normal in Britain, but like they would just go around to, like people left drinks at tables, they would go around and, oh. and just drink what was left over. <laughs> I, the first job I had was working in a movie theater, and there would be some of the ushers that would like go around and scoop up all the leftover candy and stuff. No, no popcorn, because you could just get as much as you want, but guys would, you know, eat the leftover candy. Ugh. Yeah, well, here, here's something that we have been getting messages and we've been seeing tweets and we've been hearing it. And it's a lot of complaints recently. This is two dogs and a trucker, but this is representative of a lot of what we hear. And what happened to them is they have gotten suspended from a few carriers for having too few inspections. And I know there are services out there right now that rate carriers based on the number of inspections they have. And they give them a score. And now people are making decisions based upon this scoring. But is it the right way to score carriers or are um are they are inspections the end all be all indicator of if you're running with a good carrier? Absolutely not, because it, it shouldn't account for nothing for sure. But it's not the greatest indication of of how good a uh, operator is. Because if you have a clean truck and you're running a, a tip top shape, you know, carrier, you're not going to get inspected. You're going to get waved by their inspectors are going after the trucks that have like clearly visible signs of disrepair, you know, anything that they can get a truck off the highway for and shut down. Those are the trucks that they're going after. So if you're driving for a couple of years and you're not getting inspected to me, that's a sign that you're actually a pretty quality, you know, truck driver because you're, your, your truck's in good shape. You're not catching the eye of enforcement. Um, and there should be no, you can't, and also you can't volunteer, you can't volunteer yourself for, for an inspection. They're, they're just going to laugh you out of the office. They're going to go after the guys that they know that they can get uh, fines out of. Yeah, Matt, our, our, our buddy, Mac Lovin, he was telling me about this. He's like, I faced this same problem. Our trucks are running mm -hmm. clean. We had a couple of good years at no inspections. And it's like, now I know what do you, what do you do? Just put your truck out there to, to look like it should get pulled over to make it a bait truck. So it gets just so you look good to some computer program. Yeah, no. And, and plus, you know, because your drivers are getting paid by the mile, not the hour, like nobody wants to sit there for an hour uh, getting a level one inspection. Yeah. And do carriers at all, like, do, or do carriers think this way? Like, oh, this makes us a good, by the number of inspections we have. Like, that seems kind of like the flaw with it too, because it's optimizing and looking for something for that, like, that part of the relationship isn't even, you know, they're trying to avoid inspections. Yeah, yeah. They're trying, everyone's trying to find a way of like quickly and easily grading somebody as best as they can. It's just, it's like when um, school teachers are graded uh, based on how the grades of their students are graded. Um, we don't have a, a really good metric of like a carrier that has flown under the radar for a couple of years because they're a stellar carrier. Um, they're always looking for like, give me a number. You know, if you can give me a number that says A, B or C, or, I'm sorry, a letter, A, B or C to grade somebody, great. But there's, there isn't a, a system for that in place right now. And the solution, whoever comes up with that solution, drivers are going to flock to them overnight. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of inspections, we have a, a video here of an autonomous car. Roll this, uh, roll this tape first. He's autonomous because this is we're going to get into a conversation on autonomous <laughs> DOT inspections. But I, is this a Waymo? Is this in San Francisco? Yeah. Yeah. So what's going on yeah, here is no you're sitting in an autonomous car, right? And it does not know how to get around the cops. Yeah. And the cop doesn't know how to, you know, tell the car where to go. This is like a... Um, this is technology outrunning the law in, in real time. I love this video. What is the car thinking? The car thing, the car's thinking, Hey, there's somebody in my way. I got, I got to move. But the, the cops like, <laughs> what's funny is the cop doesn't even notice at first that there's nobody behind the wheel. 
Um, I really wish there was like a part two behind this. I, I tried tracking down the original video, but this is all there is right now. Um, oh, yeah. yeah he doesn't even know. He's just like, that's just another car. Maybe it's a kid driving. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there are there are people saying that like we need to have like autonomous trucks and autonomous inspectors and stuff. But like these are the problems that we're going to have unless the stuff is figured out before they implement it. What, what the hell is an autonomous inspector? How would that work? So uh, we were in a Twitter space last night. We were talking about how there is a there's actually a shortage of of DOT inspectors right now. A lot of them left um, due to their age. COVID pushed a lot of them out because of like vaccine requirements. Um, so when that workforce leaves that knowledge base of, of like what to look for in a truck and like older trucks is gone. So even if they hire new guys now, they don't have those old school, like more experienced guys teaching the new guys uh, what, to, what to be on the lookout for. So it's a bit, it's a bit of a brain drain right now. So we kind of joked of like, how funny would it be if somebody came up with like an autonomous inspector for the autonomous trucks? Huh. Hopefully the autonomous one will at least pull over two dogs in a truck. So they, uh, they can somehow <laughs> improve their score by getting inspected. <laughs> yeah, because there's there's no rules or anything in, in in place right now. So if like if there's no driver behind the the wheel of the vehicle, yeah. and it has to get flagged into a way station, like what what do we do? California's thinking about maybe straight out not banning them, but keeping the safety driver, which would effectively ban autonomous trucks because yeah. they're they're not they're and, not viable. Yeah, and then what? And then what's the and then what's the point? Well, forget the robots. Let's celebrate the good drivers. How about the good drivers who have to bring NASCAR trucks into Bristol? Let's take a look at uh, the process here because it's great. It looks pretty steep. Yeah, 36, 30% or 36%, I believe they said. It's a real steep uh, steep hill. And it, it had just rained, yeah, 36 degrees. So it's pretty pretty steep, pretty slick. Um, you can't touch the brakes. You just got to let it ride. You know, if you're if you're in the way, sorry, you're getting run over. So, what, what, yeah, what do you, when you have to go to a grid like this and you're kind of, you can't pick up a ton of momentum because you're entering a stadium, how do you handle that as a driver? Uh, keep it in gear. Yeah. Um, if you if you if you feel like the trailer is starting to, to swing out, then you you push your clutch in um, to re, to release the 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 drive, and, and hopefully the, the trailer swings back 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 in on you. But this this is a nice nice short trip. They're not going to worry about the trailers uh, jackknifing on them or anything on on something like this. And you can you see do- there's guys out there throwing throwing more dirt on there to keep it keep it dry. How do you get one of those cool jobs like delivering to a NASCAR track or or like I- or concert tours? <laughs> I, in the, in the very few instances where I've run across some of those guys, it's always like, oh, I'm a brother or a cousin of so and so. It's it's 100% who you know. You know, you're you're not just gonna walk off the street with a million miles under your belt and get hired at these places. You really got to know people who know people. Those are those are pretty cushy. Those are pretty cushy. Yeah. Well, it's time for a banana. Were you a big banana eater when you were over the road? Yeah. Big banana yeah. eater now. Uh, I need to be more. I just, it's always like whatever my, my son's into. So he goes through phases. He loves them. Then he hates them. He loves me right now. He's kind of anti-banana. Oh, well, which banana would you take out of this selection here? Oh, number four every day. Yeah. Same here. Five, Do you freak out if you see a little brown on there? Do you freak out if there's like, cause I can eat, I can eat six. I don't, I don't even eat around the brown unless it's like super brown. No, you, I, I just go by the feel of the banana. If, if I pick up number five and it's like super soft in the center, it's like, okay, that's probably not a good one. Yeah. But yeah, you can, five and six are the ones that you put, you slice them up and put them in the, you know, peanut butter sandwich. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm team four too. We had a lot of fives. You and I are the only, uh, the only team <laughs> fours. Well, hey, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Check out Justin's work Thanks. on FW, What the Truck on Twitter, on Facebook, on um, TikTok. TikTok, we have a... Uh, Thank you to the six or 7,000 followers we've gained in the past two weeks on that site. Those videos are doing great. Go subscribe to us there. 
But more importantly, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to shows. You can get on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Freight Waves YouTube channel, or the Freight Waves TV app. Hey, State of Freight webinar is coming up tomorrow with Craig Fuller and Zach Strickland. Don't miss that one, and we'll be back on Friday. Take care, and don't be a stranger.